Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. We're going to learn about how you could slash your risk of cancer by eating more citrus. The Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences and Harvard Medical School showed this. In fact, according to the study, one in 125 men and one in 417 women will be diagnosed with esophageal cancer. While smoking significantly increases the risk of this potential deadly disease, which has a five-year survival rate of less than 50%, even people who have never smoked can develop it, especially if they drink a lot of alcohol, or you have a family history, or you have chronic acid reflux, which frequently comes from the caffeine in coffee, or you have other recognized factors. But what we have here is eating citrus fruits can lower your risk of cancer by nearly 40%. I'm talking about something as simple as oranges, clementines, grapefruits, tangerines, and other, uh, the citruses, quote, may significantly reduce your risk of esophageal cancer, end quote. And this was published in the Peer Review Journal Medicine. So that's what they did. You know, they looked at 19 studies showing a link between esophageal cancer and the intake of citrus fruits. And so the more fruits you have, citrus fruits, the less likely you are to have that type of cancer. And that's a big deal. Also, another published paper in the Cancer Epidemiology of Biomarkers and Prevention found that high intake of green vegetables, in addition to citrus fruit, was also cancer protective. And... Uh, also, citrus was able to protect against prostate, breast, and pancreas cancers. That's important. In a few moments, studies suggest four vitamins to lower the risk of severe cases of COVID-19. This is from Eastern Virginia Medical School and published in an important peer-reviewed journal, but I'm going to come back to that in just a few moments because there's a lot to learn from that. I also want you to know that I'm inundated with people concerned about COVID. They don't know what to believe, who to believe, should they wear a mask, what type of mask or not, in public, in private, because the science is not absolute on that. So we're going to take a look at the propaganda war that's occurring now, complete indoctrination. And you're going to hear from a scientist, a professor, who can prove and will that the CDC owns 100% of the patent on the coronavirus. Why? And that brings up a problem. If something occurs natural, uh, naturally in nature, you cannot patent it. If, however, you're patenting something that is made by humans, and if it was made by humans using some form of enhanced manipulation, that could go against national, international treaties blocking you from engaging in such activity that the United States is a signatory to. So either way, someone's breaking the law. But it's one thing to say it. Then you're just called a conspiracy theorist. But this is the guy who has done more research on this than anyone else on the planet. And as he's talking, you're going to see the actual patents, the dates of the patents, the numbers of the patents. So we're providing you with 100% actual documentation. You will never see this on any of the other media. They won't even discuss it. They won't have this expert, this PhD on. We have the information for you. So when we hear the New York Times and the CDC and the FDA saying, oh, it's natural, it evolved from a bat. No, it didn't. 100% it did not. Because if it did, you couldn't have patented it. But you did patent it. And who's behind these patents? Anthony Fauci. Okay. We have a lot to say about Anthony Fauci, and we're devoting an entire two-hour special to him coming up. He's the Bernie Madoff of science, many believe. Also today... All over the world, we are hearing from mainstream orthodox, play-by-the-rules, doctors and scientists, 
These people have never had a problem with their reputations, never had a problem with anything they've written. Collectively, they've published tens of thousands of articles in peer-reviewed journals. We're talking about people from professors from Harvard, Stanford, and uh, Oxford universities, and not just the ones who created the, the Great Barrington issue that over now 50, I think it's 54, 55,000 scientists, medical doctors have signed, but you will not hear from one of these people. They are all being attacked. And here's why this is important, because historically, throughout my entire career, when I took on DDT and Dow Chemical and Monsanto, when I took on genetically engineered foods, um, aldrin, heptachlor, uh, asbestos, cigarette smoking, um, sugar in foods, all these different hundreds of stories. It was nearly impossible to find more than one or two mainstream scientists or physicians per issue willing to go on the record because they knew their reputation, their livelihood would be at stake. Now we have just the opposite. If you've noticed, I haven't brought one holistic doctor on to talk about what we know and have proof will knock out the coronavirus, like ozone, vitamin C drips, etc. Instead, it's just been strictly orthodox and the drugs that they've been using that show how good they are. So we're going to hear from these people today, voices you have not heard. I'm not going to play the whole clip. The whole clip will be on PRN.FM. And by the way, you can watch all of these people on PRN.FM. But I just want you to know they exist and it's worldwide. So those are some of the voices today you're going to hear. And so you know that you're not alone. And don't rely upon CNN, MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, or any of these other people talking on these issues because all I ever hear is support and promotion for the deep state, like the CIA, national security agencies, major pharmaceutical companies, never criticism of them. So now we go back to how can we help ourselves? Now, mind you, I was waiting for someone in the orthodox medical establishment to write the article that we already had written and published using only the library of medicine, which is the official sanctioned, uh, monikered as, as legitimate source for all things in science. We only use their studies. And we went even further. But here's what they say. I'm going to quote. <clears throat> I'm quoting Eastern Virginia Medical School on the results here. And these are studies in the plural and things you could do each day now that Anthony Fauci says he does but doesn't advocate for you. So we get, you know, you can get all the tests you want and uh, these are going to help other conditions as well. After dozens of studies have recently shown the importance of vitamin D when fighting COVID-19, a Dr. Peter Osborne uh, suggests you consider blood tests to check your vitamin D levels. I would agree. Quote, I think that probably one of the smartest things that a person could do right now with an unpredictable role of a relatively unknown illness, what we do know at this point about vitamin therapy, particularly about vitamin D, a new study has come out and a new analysis has come out on what we know about vitamin D and COVID. So far, here's what we know. People with low vitamin D who get COVID have a greater tendency towards dying, have a greater tendency towards hyperinflation in, in the cytokine storm that comes with COVID, and have a greater tendency towards getting on ventilators, which are very bad because ventilators don't work very well for COVID. When a person's on a ventilator with COVID, it's not a good thing. So the outcomes aren't great. So if we can keep people off of the ventilators, and if we can keep their immune system supported really well with nutrition, that ideally makes the most sense, end quote. That's Dr. Osborne. He also says the most recent studies show that nine out of 10 COVID deaths could be prevented if people had adequate vitamin D levels. Vitamin D, by the way, when you consume it either through sunlight on your skin or it's converted or take it in in a capsule, it, uh, it's generally in the wintertime when it's low in our body because fewer people are outside and not soaking up the sun. You need at least 20 minutes of sunlight every day to get an adequate amount. 
and that would give you around more or less 20,000 units, which is why a supplement is often needed to get to a healthy level. Some hospitals around the country are even using vitamins as a treatment for COVID, not just prevention. Quote, a lot of doctors are now learning this and coming out and saying it. The East Virginia School of Medicine actually has a COVID protocol that includes vitamin D. So if you're a patient who gets hospitalized for COVID, they're automatically putting you on between 20 to 60,000 units of vitamin D a day. This is part of their standard of care protocol than in that hospital system they're offering. He also believes vitamin D is one of the most simple and affordable ways to help stay healthy. Quote, vitamin D is very inexpensive. You can buy it at your local nutrition store and it just might save your life should you get sick. Vitamin D, there's a therapy uh, that can be done that I recommend and it's 1,000 international units of vitamin D per pound. So if you're 100 pounds, you would take 100,000 international units of vitamin D for three days. That's for three days. After that, you don't have to keep taking those higher doses, but three days of high-dose vitamin D will elevate your serum vitamin D levels to adequate levels. If you have a condition called sarcoidosis, he says this is, is one of the vitamins that you wouldn't want to be using. Along with others, here are some of the other nutrients. So number one is vitamin D. Get your levels up. Get checked. Number two is vitamin C. We know it's working well. There have been some studies on COVID where vitamin C has shown to have very good benefits in the outcome of an illness. Three is zinc. Zinc stops viral replication multiple ways. So it prevents the virus from hijacking your DNA, prevents the virus from replicating. So it also prevents the virus from entering the cell. So zinc is very important. And four is quercetin. How many times have I told you about quercetin? Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N, quercetin, <clears throat> which is what's called a natural bioflavonoid. Now, quercetin opens up the cells in your body so that zinc can get inside your cells where it works. So think of quercetin as the key. Think of zinc as the repair person. That is allowed into the house, so to speak. So some hospitals are treating COVID with all four of those supplements, but you should be using this daily for yourself. All right? That could save some lives. That could save healthy people from having any symptoms. And of course, there are orthodox medicines, at least five. You've heard me mention ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine with zinc and zithromycin. And there are now over 220 studies Interesting because someone emailed me over the weekend, who I know, and said, well, I'm not sure about hydroxychloroquine. I'm, I'm uncertain about the studies. So I sent this person 214 studies. 145 of those are from the peer-reviewed literature. I graded them based upon good results and fair results, no results. And indeed, the no results, the studies were flawed. There were only a few. The vast majority of the scientific literature shows positive results. So why did the AMA recommend it not be used? Why are pharmacies told don't give it? Could it have anything to do with the enormous amount of money being made from untested drugs or vaccines? It's your call. In any case, I have posted that entire list of the actual peer review scientific citations on PRN.FM. You can go there, see for yourself. Now, <clears throat> from Norwegian University of Science and Technology, one of the important secrets to longevity is a four-minute, that's it, four-minute burst of intense exercise can help. So if you increase your heart rate, you'll, your lifespan will follow. That's the method here because at the heart of an ambitious new study of exercise and mortality, they found this. The study, one of the largest and longest term experimental examinations to date of exercise mortality, shows that older men and women over the age of 40 who exercise in almost any fashion are relatively unlikely to die prematurely. But if some of that exercise is intense, the study also finds the risk of early mortality declines even more 
and the quality of your life climbs. Scientists have known for some time, of course, that active people tend to also be the longest-lived people. According to multiple past studies, regular exercise is strongly associated with greater longevity, even if the exercise amounts to only a few minutes a week. But almost all these studies have been observational, meaning they looked at people's lives at a moment in time, determined how much they moved at that point, and later checked to see whether and when they passed away. Such studies can pinpoint associations between exercise and lifespan, but they cannot prove that moving actually caused people to live longer, only that activity, longevity, are linked. But in this case, they actually did the studies. Now, so in the middle of your workout, do a real intense four minutes. All right? Go as fast as you can for four minutes if you're biking or if you're pushing, if you're doing curls with dumbbells. For four minutes, do as many as you can. By the way, this was published in the British Medical Journal. And just as an aside, when we did our study in uh, this past fall in October, we did a two-week study. Now, the previous two were three months, 90 days each, and then we did a follow-up and a, to a year to make sure people had stayed on the protocol, were they able to stay on the protocol, the anti-aging clinical study. Now, mind you, this had never been done before, and we just finished filming all the medical doctors and the scientists, anti-aging scientists, who were the observers of this. And you'll hear them, you'll see them, because the documentary is being finished up in the next month on this. You'll see them, one of them saying, one of the leading um, sponsors of anti-aging research in the world said, this is the most important study on aging ever done. This is remarkable. It's a breakthrough, et cetera, et cetera. Because we had everybody get up at the same time come to this place. We would all exercise on the road together. We would bike together. We would do gym workout together. We would, everything we did, we did together. So everybody had their juices, same amount every day, supplements, same supplements, same blood pressure readings, the same, um, the same measurements for fat, lean muscle, bone, hydration, etc. So we came up with some phenomenal results. But then it occurred to me, what if what if instead of taking three months to do this, we could do it in two weeks? It was just a hypothesis. So I, I, but it would be intense, meaning I mean really determined people, because not everybody in these first and then confirmatory study were in gun ho. I mean, some were really, you know, taking their time doing anything and didn't do all, all the stuff they were supposed to. So this time we selected people based upon them showing and proving us that they have a do it mindset. You don't have to motivate me. Just show me what has to be done and I'll do it. So it was based upon <clears throat> earlier research done by Dr. Lawrence Lachan, who was an outstanding behavioral scientist. You ought to go back and read some of his work. And he hypothesized that if a woman who had no breast cancer history in her family came down with breast cancer, other than from obvious reasons, they couldn't have any risk factors, smoking, etc. then it had to do with how the mind was processing information coming in. This is, by the way, 1960s, before epigenetics was even uh, known. And he predicted in this study, I believe it was 500 women, which ones, after interviewing them in depth, were most likely to come down with breast cancer and then another study with arthritis, and he was spot on. And what did all these women have in common? Unappreciated, overly responsible for other people who did not respect what they were being given in the way of a person's tending to their needs. You know, cleaning the house, whatever a person was doing that someone else could have helped do or do for themselves. So that shows you how powerful a thought is. So if your thought is, oh, I, you know, I don't want to who wants to be that healthy? I mean, let's not get crazy. As if there's, there's a, you can't be too healthy, so don't even try. It's just too much discomfort. Or I don't want to do that kind of exercise. So our resistance to taking control of our life, especially the choices we make when it comes to our health and happiness and relationships and our work and where we live, 
will directly impact our cells, our DNA. And the second study proved it. Now I'm duplicating again this April for two weeks, and we're going to only allow people in that study who are really committed to putting themselves into that frame of mind because we're not going to just be doing four minutes of intense exercise. We're going to be exercising twice a day and much more intense than that in everything, in every single thing we're doing. And I saw the results. I haven't I haven't uh, stripped off the photo from the video, but I got it on video. A man who I shot him from the neck down with his shirt off. I said, take off your shirt. He's ripped like an 18-year-old bodybuilder. He's 72. You would never know that. And it wasn't that way when he started. So we're wanting to see the people who are highly committed to maximizing their wellness, maximizing their capacities. By the way, anyone who wants to be considered for that, uh, you'll be able to talk with Luann at 903. Write it down. 903. 881-7008-903-881-7008. That's also at the same time we're doing for our sister station, WBAI, to help it purchase about 1,000 to 2,000 premiums, our goal, a retreat. Uh, it's They're really in a crisis financially. And uh, even though there's new programming and the listenership is rising, uh, the money's just not there and there's... In any case, this is one of the ways we help. But that's just going to be for detoxifying and rejuvenating and lectures and yoga meditation and sprouting and gourmet vegan meals, but at a relaxed pace, have, having nothing to do with the anti-aging. Two are just going to be at the same time. Now, we are 22 minutes into our program. We're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to play you a part of a clip where we can now show with hard, actual evidence that the CDC controls everything, and Anthony Fauci, everything that is done about the COVID virus. But then why aren't they before congressional hearing being asked, why did you patent a virus? Why? And if you patent it, you know that it's illegal to patent a natural occurring substance. Therefore, you had to acknowledge that it was altered, human altered. So why are you putting out information that it comes from natural sources? Why isn't the New York Times, who has a lot of highly intelligent and qualified reporters and journalists, why are they going along with this? Why is everybody in the establishment promoting this lie? You're going to see the results. Watch it go to PRN.fm so you can watch because I want you to see the documents, the actual government patent documents coming up on the screen so you can say, now we have the truth. Back in a moment. Please stay with us. I'm the developer of Linguistic Genomics, which was the first platform on which you could determine the intent of communication rather than the literal artifact of communication. But we've also used that technology for a number of other applications in defense and intelligence and finance. And most notably, in the early 2000s, my company was responsible for bringing down what was, at the time, one of the largest tax frauds in U.S. history. We maintained a series of inquiries into every individual, every organization, and every company that is involved in anything that either blurs the line of biological and chemical weapons or crosses that line in any of 168 countries. In 1999, there were a million patents digitized by IBM. And those million patents were the first time human innovation had been put into an electronic digital searchable format. We took that information and we did a very simple exercise using our linguistic genomics technology. Where I made the horrific assessment that approximately one third of all patents filed in the United States were functional forgeries. Meaning that while they had linguistic variations, they actually covered the same subject matter. In 1999, patents on coronavirus started showing up and thus began the rabbit trail. 
March 2003, panic grips Hong Kong as a deadly new virus sweeps through the city. In 2003, the Center for Disease Control saw the possibility of a gold strike. And that was the coronavirus outbreak that happened in Asia. They saw that a virus they knew could be easily manipulated was something that was very valuable. And in 2003, they sought to patent it. And they made sure that they controlled the proprietary rights to the disease, to the virus, and to its detection, and all of the measurement of it. We know that Anthony Fauci, that Ralph Barrick, that the Center for Disease Control, and the laundry list of people who wanted to take credit for inventing coronavirus, were at the hub of this story. From 2003 to 2018, they controlled 100% of the cash flow that built the empire around the industrial complex of coronavirus. The World Health Organization has officially named the, the novel coronavirus, coronavirus the novel coronavirus outbreak. The World Health Organization is a pandemic, an international public health pandemic. emergency. Well, we know that the coronavirus manipulation started with Dr. Ralph Barrick in 1999. The major characteristics of SARS, MERS, and SARS coronavirus too, it's a good way for you Ralph Barrick is the researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, who's famous for his chimeric coronavirus research. In 2002, there was a recognition that the coronavirus was seen as an exploitable mechanism for both good and ill. On April the 25th, 2003, the U.S. Center for Disease Control filed a patent on the coronavirus transmitted to humans. Under 35 U.S. Code Section 101, nature is prohibited from being patented. Either SARS coronavirus was manufactured, therefore making a patent on it legal, or it was natural, therefore making a patent on it illegal. If it was manufactured, it was a violation of biological and chemical weapons, treaties, and laws. If it was natural, filing a patent on it was illegal. In either outcome, both are illegal. In the spring of 2007, the CDC filed a petition with the Patent Office to keep their application confidential and private. They actually filed patents on not only the virus, but they also filed patents on its detection and a kit to measure it. Because of that CDC patent, they had the ability to control who was authorized and who was not authorized to make independent inquiries into coronavirus. You cannot look at the virus, you cannot measure it, you cannot develop a test kit for it. And by ultimately receiving the patents that constrained anyone from using it, they had the means, they had the motive, and most of all, they had the monetary gain from turning coronavirus from a pathogen to profit. Developing and owning a coronavirus vaccine has become a biotech arms race with political overtones. This vaccine gold rush is starting to bother me. Gold rush. Hmm. Let's keep that in mind. And so somewhere between 2012 and 2013, something happened. The federal funding for research that was feeding into places like Harvard, Emory, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, that funding suddenly became impaired by something that happened at the NIH, where the NIH got this little tiny moment of clarity and said, I think something we're doing is wrong. And in 2013, the NIH said, gain-of-function research on coronavirus should be suspended. The National Institutes of Health had a moral and social and potentially legal reason to object to research. But the letters that were sent to the researchers essentially said, you are receiving notice that we're telling you to stop. And now on the bottom of the page, we're going to clarify what stop means. Keep going. But when the heat gets hot in 2014 and 15, what do you do? You offshore the research. You fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology 
to do the stuff that sounds like it's getting a little edgy with respect to its morality and legality. But do you do it straightway? No. You run the money through a series of cover organizations to make it look like you're funding a U.S. operation, which then subcontracts with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The U.S. could say, China did it. China could say, the U.S. did it. And the cool thing is, both of them are almost telling the truth. Where did the coronavirus come from? There is a new investigation into its origins. U.S. intelligence officials tell NBC News that they are examining whether the virus accidentally came from a Chinese lab. Chinese officials pushing back against that claim on Thursday, tweeting that it might be the U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. I was the first person in the world to look at an epidemic and study its characteristics and prove that it was due to biological warfare and was not a natural occurrence. So I published that 28 years ago. Early in this pandemic, I did not think the coronavirus was a natural occurrence from bats. I feel quite convinced that this was a laboratory designed organism. There have been hundreds and hundreds of leaks from high containment laboratories that do research on pathogenic coronaviruses and other potentially lethal organisms. I was particularly interested in a paper that came out in Nature Medicine by five scientists claiming that it was definitely a natural occurrence rather than a lab construct. But the arguments they used did not hold water. They didn't really make a lot of scientific sense. And yet all kinds of very important people started parroting what this paper said. And so that, of course, got me scratching my head saying, why are these people risking their reputation when it's obviously illogical, you know, doesn't hold water? Somebody must have made them publish this and Somebody must have told these other people that they have to say it's, it's a great piece of science. You were quoted as saying it was a meticulous job done professionally. It could be done by some, somebody very expert in molecular biology, I think. Et c'est pas naturel, c'est ce que vous voulez dire Non, ce n'est pas naturel, c'était un travail de professionnel, un travail de, de biologiste moléculaire. C'est un travail très minutieux. On peut dire d'horloger, on peut dire dans au quel niveau but? des séquences. Mais dans quel Alors, but la, la, Dans quel but, ça, ce n'est pas n'est pas clair. Moi, je l'expose, je, si vous voulez. Mon, mon travail, c'est d'exposer les faits, c'est tout. See, the problem with all of this is the evidence is right in front of our face. And when confronted with evidence, we are told fact-checkers are somehow transcendent. The pace of our modern world makes it nearly impossible for working people to research the events and policies that shape their lives. When seeking answers to life's most pressing questions, where do we go first? Google. Enter the subject, hit go, and there it is. Only what they want us to see. In today's culture of copy and paste journalism, it's common for hundreds of unrelated outlets to feature the exact same report. This is not the result of laziness. This is by design. When we see identical headlines across seemingly unrelated platforms, the logical mind concludes, well then, it must be true. The illusion that numerous news sources have arrived at the same conclusion gives us confidence to share the chosen narrative. And just like that, we become the unwitting pushers of propaganda. Search engines are the holy grail for those seeking to control the narrative. Google is already more powerful in terms of its control over people's lives than almost every government on the planet. As the most influential search engine in the world, through its ubiquitous reach, Google has more power to influence U.S. elections than any foreign nation. You testified before this committee. You said in subsequent elections, Google and Facebook and Twitter and big text manipulation... We actually had the scientists on, the university professor of 40 years in statistics who said that Google and Facebook could swing at least 14 million voters to a candidate without anyone ever finding that, how they did it. And then they denied under oath, and you see the head of Google swearing that what he's going to say is true. And then when he was asked, do you have a, a blacklist? He said, no. 
but an engineer that we had on this program about six months ago who worked for Google for years and years uh, found that blacklist. And you actually see the words blacklist right there and who's on it. So now anyone who questions anything about the coronavirus, if you suggest that you could build up your immune system and keep yourself healthy at home, you're on the, you're attacked. If you suggest that uh, uh, ivermectin or some of the other natural, uh, not natural, but some of the other FDA-approved drugs would be good to use, and the studies actually show that, the clinical experience shows that they're good and could save lives and could have probably saved 80% of the lives of people who died in the United States, you're attacked. That information is downgraded to zero credibility. Then you're attacked by so-called fact-checkers who themselves have no credibility. They're all compromised, and their facts are wrong. So that's what you're dealing with. So imagine that you're not listening to this radio program where we have scholarship. And because I am a progressive, I am not aligned with either the Democrat or Republican, conservative or liberal perspectives. I have no ideology. I'm here to simply look for the truth wherever it is and share that with you. And so that's why you, you will be staggered by the numbers. I'll give the numbers tomorrow of how many people have come and downloaded our information in the last 12 months. It's tens of millions. I'll just tell you that. Why? Because we're going to give you the truth, plain and simple. And by the way, did you read in the New York Times where a group, a highly respected group of, of, uh, of 22 scientists, including virologists, uh, microbiologists, molecular geneticists, molecular biology, immunology, and pharmacology, from all the science fields gathered together and demanded that the paper that was published in, in uh, Europe be retracted because this Christian Drosten and his partner who wrote this and, uh, and published it in Neurosurveillance, that was the basis of all of the PCR testing done. And it was all wrong. It was completely wrong. So they're doing these tests. In fact, just this morning, I was speaking with someone who said that, and this person called me to tell me this. This someone, oh, I, I've known this person for 30, 35 years. And the person said that four of her close friends went to get tested. They filled out the applications, but there was such a long line, it'd be hours, so they left. A couple days later, they all four were notified that they had tested positive for coronavirus. All four. But none of them had taken the actual test. And this is not the first time I've heard this. This test is one of the greatest scientific frauds ever perpetrated. So, when and also what they've done, you must get the test like in California. So the more people you test, the more false positives you're going to have, and they're going to call them cases, and then people are going to freak out, and then they're going to go to hospitals, and you're going to have people who don't need to be in the hospital in the hospital, and people who should be in the hospital getting cancer treatment or heart disease or diabetes treatment, dementia treatment, they're dying at home. And we know that for a fact. So just ask yourself, do you really want to trust the pharmaceutical industries that have been serial liars, that have knowingly promoted drugs, including vaccines, that their own evidence coming out in discovery and depositions and trials showed that they knew they were going to profit off a bad drug, a bad vaccine, but they would still make profits. And now suddenly we expunge hundreds of thousands of lawsuits, thousands of times collectively these people have committed crimes against humanity, and all that is forgiven. Really? So it's now the mindset that is being worked on. Now we're going to go to a clip, and after the clip, you can call in and share your points of view. Because what I've done, I've taken a tiny, tiny fraction of MIMD PhDs from around the world, most of these are MDs, from all over the world, who are saying that what we're doing is wrong. And mind you, all of these people are pro-vaccine. But not about this one, because this one has not met the rigorous standards. And if you... And, and what's interesting is Anthony Fauci, who's been sponsoring Moderna and the other vaccines and the Gates Foundation. Well, I happen to have gotten a call from a person who I cannot mention their name, 
who sent me last night her files as the one of the senior reviewers of the AIDS drug AZT and other drugs trials as well. And tomorrow I will read you, with her permission, I've gotten the permission, read you verbatim what she has to say. It was all a fraud. AZT should never have been allowed. There were other safer drugs, but the money was on AZT. And after that, the money went to all these organizations and foundations from the manufacturer, and so everybody got in line. And who headed all that? Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci. So you're going to learn a lot this week, and partly it's about who do you trust. So you're going to hear from some medical doctors. All of them are orthodox. All of them have outstanding reputations. Many of the scientists have published in multiple peer-reviewed journals. Some are professors in medicine. They're all, they're all the establishment. So to get the establishment for the first time in my life, to talk back to the establishment, this is, this is what you're going to hear. Hi, my name is Hilde Smets. I'm a Belgian medical doctor, and I'd like to say that the new COVID-19 vaccine is not safe and that there is no global medical pandemic. For almost 20 years, the pharmaceutical industry has been trying to develop corona vaccines, but never managed because they saw in the animal trials that there were serious side effects, autoimmune disorders, when the animal was exposed to a new wild-type virus. These autoimmune disorders are comparable with the complications we have seen in some COVID-19 patients. Now, due to the excuse of a global pandemic, the pharma industry has the permission to skip the animal trials. This means that we humans will be the guinea pigs and we might get severe side effects when we are exposed to new viruses. My name is Nils Foss. I'm a medical doctor in Bergen, Norway. The COVID-19 vaccine has not been proven safe and effective. It's a new technology and it's been tested on a few thousands of people in a few months. Please do your own research. This is not a real medical pandemic. The death rates in Norway are not higher than on average year. Dr. Elizabeth Evans, retired doctor, and co-founder of the UK Medical Freedom Alliance. The COVID-19 vaccines are not proven to be safe or effective. We believe that it is reckless and unnecessary to roll out these essentially experimental vaccines that are using a completely new mRNA technology to millions of people when there is only limited short-term safety data, no evidence that they will prevent transmission of the virus and no long-term safety data to rule out late-onset negative effects like autoimmune diseases, infertility and cancers. This is Dr. Mohammed Adel from United Kingdom. I am fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons of UK and consultant surgeon. I have been working for the National Health Services for the last 30 years with unblemished record. I am chairman of the Global Nigerian Organization all Pakistan Medical Association UK, and recently we have developed World Doctors Alliance in collaboration with thousands of health professionals across the world. Recently we had a very successful webinar which has been viewed by millions of people across the world. I am standing for the cause of the humanity, especially in the current situation of the devastating effect due to coronavirus and its restriction imposed on the public. Many thanks. Doctors aren't allowed to question COVID-19 in public. Material containing the truth about the alleged disease and the vaccine is banned. In the last year, I've been demonized and lied about and a 50-year career and reputation trashed by those promoting a pandemic that never was and a vaccine that was never needed. The whole COVID-19 scam is, as I said in March 2020, the greatest hoax in history. The principle of informed consent is essential in medicine, but patients now having vaccines can't give informed consent because they aren't being informed. Thank heavens, 
for sites such as Brand YouTube, which carry uncensored videos by doctors who've been censored or banned elsewhere. My name is Professor Dolores Cahill. I'm a molecular biologist and an immunologist. And we have good news. The coronavirus and the lockdown was not as severe as was thought. We know that we can treat uh, the symptoms of COVID-19 very successfully with vitamins D, C and zinc and with very safe medicines. And so therefore the lockdown and the measures like quarantining, social distancing and masks were not necessary. And also a vaccine is then also not necessary. There has never been a licensed RNA vaccine. And this is not because there have been many clinical trials but that in the safety studies, there was significant adverse events and death in the animals that were used in these studies over the past 20 years. My name is Zach Cox. I'm a holistic dentist and a homeopath. I'm a founder member of the World Doctors Alliance. I believe that the pandemic is fundamentally over and was so in the summer. I also firmly believe that there is no long-term safety data on any of the COVID vaccines. This means that they are essentially experimenting on us, which is against the Nuremberg Code. I will not be taking the vaccine. Hello, I'm Dr. Anna Forbes. I'm a UK medical doctor here representing the UK Medical Freedom Alliance. This is a growing body of doctors, scientists, academics and lawyers. We believe that there has been an overestimation of the public health risk from SARS-CoV-2 due to misrepresentation of data and inappropriate use of the PCR test. We call for the preservation of informed consent, medical choice and bodily autonomy. As doctors, we believe this is absolutely crucial to maintain. Thank you. I am uh, Ralph uh, Sandberg, uh, MD, PhD, uh, former associate uh, professor uh, in transplant surgery at Karolinska Institute. Uh, my opinion of uh, uh, this coronavirus cri- uh, crisis is that uh, the PCR test uh, is inaccurate. Uh, it actually uh, um, causes uh, so many false positives. So we are scared uh, to vaccination and I don't trust this vaccine. My name is Dr. Johan Dennis from Belgium. The Corona vaccine is not proven safe or effective. There is no medical emergency. It is a fake pandemic. The coronavirus is in terms of harmfulness, mortality and transmissibility comparable to a seasonal flu. And I can only reject the extreme disproportionate measures that are taken by our governments. There is no emergency situation. It was all orchestrated to make you fearful enough to take the vaccine. This vaccine is just not proven safe. It has been developed too quickly. We have no idea what the long-term effects will be. It needs much more investigation. There is no hurry or emergency. It might possibly change your DNA. This is irreversible and irreparable for all future generations. An experiment on humanity. I would never give it to myself, my patients or my loved ones. We are no guinea pigs. My name is Moritz van der Beuch. I'm working as a journalist in science and medicine, and I'm from Germany. Do not take this vaccine. This vaccine is dangerous. This pandemic is a fraud. My name is Amphid Lafayne. I'm a medical doctor from Belgium, specialized in chronic infectious diseases such as Lyme, Epstein-Barr, molds, etc. The COVID-19 vaccine is not proven safe nor effective. And I think it's unacceptable that all liabilities have been waived for the companies that are producing it. If pharma doesn't take responsibility for the products they make, how can they expect doctors to inject them to their patients 
without doubt of doing harm. More and more. That's just a tiny number of the doctors coming forward, volunteering to put their reputations, their incomes, knowing they will be attacked by the deep state and the major media in all these countries. We're not talking about a few or a few hundred or a few thousand. We're talking about tens of thousands, which is becoming hundreds of thousands. We've never seen a revolt like this in science or medicine in world history. But it's happening. And by the way, Sean, thank you for your email um, about sending me the Swedish death uh, statistics for a 10-year period. And it's, it's interesting. He says... I don't know if you're the Gary Nall that helped author this article, essay, but if so, then much kudos. It's refreshing that someone is willing to present actual evidence regarding this coronavirus COVID event. I read a lot, and sadly, too many articles of all sides are lacking empirical evidence. It's appreciated that you presented some of that uh, off-lacking evidence. In regards to your paragraph on the article in John Hopkins' newsletter regarding exaggerated U.S. C CDC deaths, I've attached a sheet uh, showing at the 10-year death stats for Sweden, given its reported high number of coronavirus deaths and given that it's one of the few countries I've found with re re recent and regular updates, available statistics. But no one, uh, but one can see much like the situation of overhyped deaths in the United States. Sweden, as of the end of November, has had no excessive deaths in 2020. This is the kind of data, info, and evidence that more people need to compile, investigate, analyze, and report on. So thank you, Sean, for sharing that. I've already sent that over to be posted with the statistics. People can see the death statistics. I've been saying this from day one. They've conflated deaths. We see almost no flu deaths this year. Well, how do you suddenly erase 50,000, 60,000 deaths from flu? You just put them into COVID. In Colorado, there's one county where they had four deaths from COVID. Two of them were from gunshot wounds. They listed as COVID. There's just been so much corruption, so much lack of integrity. Your thoughts, give us a call. We have two more minutes on WBAI, our sister station, and then we cut from there so they can do the news. But we're continuing to top of the hour on PRN.FM, 888-874-4888, 888-874-4888. This is something Charles Ortlieb, the founder of the New York Native, had to say, quote, HHV-6, that's Human Herpes 6 University. Everything you need to know about Human Herpes 6 pandemic, RFK Jr. and Anthony Fauci, quote, so instead of researching and trying to stop all these chronic diseases from happening to our children, he's ignoring all of that and simply essentially printing money. Let me tell you how important this is. Between 2009 and 2016, there were hundreds of drugs approved by the FDA, and every single one of those came out of Anthony Fauci's shop. So that is the impact he's had on the pharmaceutical industry. During his tenure, the chronic disease rate has gone from 12% to 54%. Okay. Well, we've posted that so people can see Robert F. Kennedy's uh, statements on that. And let's just see if we have... If we have calls coming in for our BA audience, thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. For PRN, we're going to play more of the testimonies from board-certified physicians around the world until we get a call, and then we'll put you on the air. <clears throat> we'll go back to the clip now. COVID is not a real medical epidemic. The vaccines use synthetic products that will alter your genes, allow monitoring of your vaccination status, and produce dangerous chemical reactions. Scientists are therefore demanding that all COVID vaccinations be immediately stopped. The real epidemic is fear and hysteria. It started in China and quickly spread via the World Health Organization. The hysteria was accelerated by corporations who gain financially through selling fast-tracked, flawed medical tests, toxic antiviral drugs, and now unproven and potentially dangerous vaccines. Standard precautions which normally protect the public have been disregarded due to ignorance, hysteria, and profits. For example, 
the vaccines have not undergone proper phase three tests. The COVID test, the PCR, is fatally flawed. It was never examined in the standard way by the United Kingdom National Health Service, and it should never have been used on sick people or those with no symptoms. You can read about the flaws in the PCR test at www.cormandrostenreview.com. My name is Dr. Okay, Richard from New York City, you're on your turn, please. Hello, Mr. Null. My name is uh, Richard Barr, and uh, I'm a certified non-masker, and I am a senior citizen. I am considered disabled. However, I go to work whenever I want in the streets of New York with a broom in hand sweeping up masks in front of the sidewalk where I put up a yard sale up in Harlem. So anyway, those are some of my credentials. I think this whole COVID thing from the get-go, okay, it exists. However, the measures taken uh, uh, to combat this thing, a force of nature, uh, by the experts, I think have, have been over the top, and in many cases, very, very debatable. Do you have any question for me? No, I think that we're getting a lot of wind in the background. I appreciate you calling in. Here's what we can say with some certainty, that this virus is easily spread. That's a fact. But most viruses are. That's why I said the other day on my show, if you were a school teacher and it begins the cold season, you're going to find a certain number of, pay, uh, of your children out sick. They'll spread the virus. Now, if you have two or three kids in one classroom, it means every kid in that classroom has been exposed to the water coming out of the mouth, hundreds of thousands of beads when they cough or sneeze, or just breathing. It's on all the surface tops. The tops are touched. Their desktops and chairs are touched by their hands. They touch their face. So everybody's going to end up having some form of antibody reaction. But if a person's healthy, healthy and their immune system is strong, generally they won't come down with anything. Those who are sick, will more often than not get well, though the flu can and does kill people, a cold less so. So what if you tested every single person? You're going to have a massive amount of positive tests with a flawed PCR test. Scientists everywhere now saying the study is, the PCR test is flawed, the swabs are flawed, um, and, the, um, and the way they've counted the deaths are flawed because we're including over 50% of the deaths minimal, depending upon county, country, who were in hospice care, senior citizen homes, and the average life expectancy in a nursing home is 2.3 years. In hospice care, it could be about three weeks. Um, but those people are going there to die. So they're dying. And the introduction of the virus can speed up the death, but it doesn't mean it was because of that. And so you can, for very vulnerable people and people with comorbidities, you can speed up how quickly they die. And that is unfortunate. But that means the vast majority of people are going to be exposed, but their body can fight it off and they'll be strong. Asymptomatic people, according to the latest study yeah, coming out of China, uh, with 10 million people who were shown to have coronavirus, and they followed a large number of these people um, and found that the people they were living with or associated with, there was zero, zero people uh, who died, none. And they did not infect the other people. So the idea that you can infect everybody if in, in your immediate contact is itself flawed. We have all these flawed models that are being used. And we based our, our social uh, control of quarantining people. But then here's the, hyper, uh, here's the contradiction. Let's say that you say you want to close all restaurants, <clears throat> which for this time around will mean the death of those restaurants. They'll never reopen. And small businesses will not reopen. Now, the apartments that are vacated, they will be re, uh, retaken and repurposed at much reduced rents by generally young professionals who couldn't afford to live in the city now can. That's good for them. Uh, but it, it won't bring back the small businesses. It won't bring back many large businesses that have closed permanently because the model of where a person could work from home 
and not have to go through all the high-level expenses of some businesses, that's going to be the new norm. So they're going to have to convert hundreds of major office buildings into condos. That's the next step they're taking. So we're changing the whole way a city acts. So you close down restaurants, you close synagogues and mosques and uh, and, and churches, and less, you only allow a few people in. But an airplane is completely packed. And let's say you're flying from New York to um, uh, to California. It's a five-hour flight. All right, so you're packed. Well, how how much common sense is that? Why don't you have people seated and social distance the same level you have anywhere else because you couldn't afford to fly a plane. Oh, we made an exception then. And Costco's, Walmart, uh, Sam's Club, uh, Whole Foods, they're packed with people, packed. And yet, only at the checkout counter are you supposed to stay six feet away. So we make exceptions again. So uh, liquor stores are not closed. That's strange because it's the one thing that will depress your immune system, make you more vulnerable to any condition, including coronavirus. Um, but those are allowed to be open because they're essential. You see, this is the information we've been given is so contradictory it makes no sense. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much, Richard, for calling in. For all of you, thank you for listening. Boy, do we have a strong show for you tomorrow. You're going to hear stuff you've never heard before. You're going to hear from people you didn't know existed. And we're standing up because they're going after everyone, shutting down every possible opportunity to publish, to present information, no matter what truth you have, no matter what your qualification and credentials. So as long as we have a voice, we're going to be offering this platform for responsible voices to tell their story. Have a nice day, everyone.